I'm pulling out of the driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, so today I thought I was going to talk about something a little off, more off the beaten path. Today's topic is San Diego Comic Con. Okay, so I want to start talking about a little about my history with San Diego Comic Con and then how it got involved with magic and the magic panel and all that. Okay, so San Diego Comic Con, I think, just celebrated like its 50th anniversary or something. It goes way, way back. It's been going on forever. Um, anyway, I used to live in Los Angeles before I lived here in lovely, uh, lovely Seattle. And um, San Diego, not that far away from Los Angeles. And I love comics. I've been, I've been reading comic books since I was a little kid. I, I'm a huge, for those who don't know, I'm a huge comics fan. So there's a giant, the biggest event, uh, you know, especially in North America, about comics was not far away. I was going. So when I lived in Los Angeles, most summers, I would drive down and go. Now, you have to remember, back then, uh, getting in wasn't quite as difficult as it currently is. You could actually walk up and buy tickets and go. It, it wasn't like you had to, uh, you know, uh, nine months ahead of time, been on the computer fast enough to get your ticket. You know, it, you literally could just go, oh, I want to go and walk in. The other thing that turned out was, um, at some point... Uh, they have what's called a professional badge, and uh, working in the game industry qualified. And so there was a period where I was a freelancer for Wizards, and I qualified. Uh, I, I was doing enough, enough game-related things that I qualified. Um, but anyway, so I used to go down to Comic-Con. Now, it's interesting, as far as how Comic-Con interacts with Magic. Um, it was in, at 93 at Comic-Con... Now, I talked about how I'd worked in a game store and people would come in asking about magic. That's how I first heard about it. But I'd never seen the cards. So when I was at Comic-Con one, that summer, 93, I mentioned to somebody something about Comic-Con. Or I heard someone talk about magic or something. And I said to somebody, oh, do you have magic? They're like, oh, yeah, I have a deck. Or maybe I think I asked if I could buy some. And someone said, oh, I have a deck. I have nothing for sale, but I have a deck. And so I said, oh, can, can I look at it? And that was the first time I ever saw magic cards. It was at San Diego Comic-Con, 1993. Um, and it was amazing. Uh, it was. I, I remember just, they seemed so awesome, and you know, it's it, it sort of this. Uh, I don't know. My, my, my memory of it was just like, uh, you know, I was playing, and some some fun pop seventy song was playing in the background. And that was my eyes opened up. Uh, anyway, so early on, I used to go to Comic Con, and then in '93, I got to see the cards for the first time. In '94, Wizards of the Coast had a booth at Comic Con. And I had a chance to, for, to meet some people. I had flown to Gen Con in uh, the summer of 94. So I think when I went to Comic-Con, that was later that summer. So I already met some of the people from Wizards, but I had a chance to see them again. Um, one of the things that happened is when I flew to Gen Con, I convinced the editor of The Duelist, a woman named Catherine Haynes, to... Uh, I'd already been doing puzzles, but she allowed me to start writing um, columns... I'm sorry, start writing articles for The, for the Duelist. Uh, and that through that, I started picking up other jobs, doing other freelance work, all, mostly all writing, but for different sections of the company. Um, so anyway, I was slowly becoming friends with people, but seeing them at Comic-Con, getting face-to-face to talk to more people. Um, I also ended up volunteering at the booth. So uh, I, I definitely, th- that was my first interaction where like I was sort of actively trying to help them. I mean, I dumped some stuff at Gen Con that year, and then I volunteered at the booth. So I was slowly making myself known to the people of Wizards. And so both in 94 and 95, I definitely um, intermingled with the booth. Although at 95, I was already in the process of getting a job. So when I was talking to them then, it was more like, I'm going to be coming to work for Wizards soon. Um, 
But anyway, once I went to Wizards, I think I might have gone to Gen Con the way... Uh, not Gen Con, sorry, to Comic-Con. Um, the way it worked was, back in the day, Wizards used to go to about every convention you could imagine. Uh, when I first started at Wizards, uh, Peter Atkinson was the president of the company, and he really believed, like, we got to get the word out. You know, we want people to know about magic. We're just going everywhere. And so, in fact... I used to go to a convention in Los Angeles. In fact, there was three conventions in Los Angeles. They had different names, but they were at the same hotel every year. There was, like, one in the fall and one in the spring and one in the winter, I think. Um, And Wizards used to have a booth there. They used to go there. In fact, that's where I met Steve Bishop, where when I first wanted to do the magic puzzle, he was the person I I got introduced to and talked to that gave me Catherine Haynes' name. That's how I ended up contacting Catherine. Um, Anyway, so uh, we used to go... So the... The first couple of years that I worked at Wizards, I used to go down to Comic-Con. Um, it was one of the conventions that I made sure to get to. Uh, and um, But then things happened. There were pro tours and lots of other things. And anyway, eventually I stopped going to Comic-Con. I'm not sure if Wizards... I think Wizards still had a booth. I think I just, I just stopped going for other... I had other things to do. Um, obviously, in my life, I started dating, and then I got married, and then I had kids, and... Eventually, just, I, I moved on, and I, I stopped going to Comic-Con. Although I really, really loved Comic-Con back when I used to go. Um, and then, one year, a good friend of mine, uh, Mike Ryan, the guy who co-created the Weatherlight Saga with me, uh, although, at this time, his way past, he hadn't worked at Wizards for many years, said that uh, the company he had worked for was sending him down to Comic-Con. He goes, you should come with me. And I was like, oh, I don't know, um... So one of the things that I, one of the deals that my wife and I struck when the kids were born, where the twins were born, was that I really needed to majorly cut back. When, when, when I got married, I cut back my travel some. When I had my first child, Rachel, I cut back my, my travel even more. When I had my second set of twins, or my first set of twins, but my second and third child, I majorly cut back. And so I was only traveling a couple times a year. In fact, I, I still only travel a couple times a year. Uh, but Michael said, hey, you should come down to Comic-Con and... Um, I said, I don't know, I, I promised my wife I wouldn't travel too much, and Laura said, oh, no, no, Mark, that'd be fun, you should go to Comic-Con, because she knew that I used to go all the time and really liked it, and so, um, Michael had a hotel room I, I could crash in, so I, I basically just had to cover the airfare, um, you know, and food and such, uh, and so I went down, and I had a blast, like I said, I used to go all the time, um, now Comic-Con had changed, uh, in the, I don't know, the 15-year gap between going, when I used to go down in the 90s, I mean, it, not, it was a big event. It was not like it wasn't a big event, but it was all contained within the convention center. Um, it was still centered on comics. I mean, there were other elements there back in the 90s. Um, but when I returned, it was a different thing altogether. It had just exploded. Um, and while comics were still there, it had become about much more than just comics. You know, when I went in the 90s, it was like the largest comic convention. When I went there in... Uh, you know, the 2000s, uh, it was like this event, this giant thing that had just gotten huge. Um, and it was, it was a blast. It was fun. And so, uh, I had a great time. I really had a good time. And so the next year, Michael said, Hey, you should come down again. So I, 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 I go, can I go down again? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I started going down every year. Um, and at the time, I was just a fan. I mean, I, I had a professional badge because I'm a designer in the game industry, and I was able to get a professional badge. But um, really, I was just going down and having fun. And like I said, I love comics, and I love, I love geeky things. And this was a show all about geeky things surrounded by geeky people. Uh, and I, I had a really good time. Um, so one year, I was signing up for my badge. And uh, for the professionals, they, one of the things they send you is 
this thing of, oh, are you interested in being in any panels? Uh, and there's a thing to, to say, yes, I'd like to do my own panel, or here's things I'm interested in. If other people are doing panels, I'd be interested in sitting on them. Uh, and I, I read through it, and I said, oh, I could, I could probably, I mean, magic is, you know, I mean, if you think of sort of the, the essence of Comic-Con, it's a very geek culture style thing. Magic fits perfectly. I'm like, oh, I go, that, it'd be kind of cool. We, why, we probably should have a, fl- a panel there. So I went in and I talked to Elaine Chase, is the brand manager, the senior brand manager of Magic. So I said to her, I go, Elaine, would you mind if I signed up to do a panel on Magic? Um, you know, I, I go to panels all the time. I go, look, I could easily go and do a question and answer thing. And, um, you know, I, 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 could, I could entertain people for an hour. And it, it wouldn't be nice to have a Magic panel at Comic-Con. And Elaine goes, oh, yeah, that sounds fine. So I signed up to get, to get a magic panel. Now, my, my intent at the time was it would be me in a room with a bunch of people, and I'd be answering questions, and, you know, um, mostly it, it mostly made me just sort of talking about magic, you know, making magic. I wasn't at the time thinking that I would be spoiling anything. I just felt like I'd be talking about magic and answering questions about magic, and, like, you know, I'm one of the spokespeople of magic. I figured, like, you know, that's having a chance to come talk to me would be pretty cool. Most people, I mean, I have a blog, but this would kind of be like a live action blog where you could come in person and ask me questions. And then Elaine uh, writes me an email and goes, come, come up and talk to me. So she's like, you know, we probably should do this. I mean, like, what were you planning to do for the panel? I'm like, oh, I just, I was going to sit there and answer questions. She goes, well, we, we probably should do a little bigger than that because probably we should send some people down. I go, oh, okay, sure. Uh, and so... Um, we decided that not only was I going to do the panel, but Aaron Forsyth, who's my boss and the director of Magic R&D, um, Mark Purvis, uh, a brand manager, uh, one of Elaine's brand managers, or a brand director, sorry, um, and um, then Scott Larrabee, who was uh, the tournament organizer, one of the guys who runs the Pro Tour, um, and then um, Matt Cavada. Matt Cavada, uh, at the time, he used to be on the creative team. Now he's in charge of sort of look and feel of magic. There's a lot of pack. If you if you see packaging you love, Matt's got his hand in that. And anyway, so they sent down the five of us, and I believe the set that was upcoming was Innistrad. And so um, I was, we were said, okay, well, why don't? It turns out that middle of the summer is actually a pretty good time to start teasing the the fall set. Now we do a big thing at PAX, which is in August, end of August, in which we give away. Uh, cards and mechanics where we sort of actually, it's right before preview start where we start previewing things. But um, we, we figured out that, you know, uh, the summer was a pretty good time to just tease a little bit, talk about what the set's about. You know, don't give away mechanics, but give a general sense of what to expect. Um, and what we had been doing is, in the spring, we've been releasing the name with a picture, what we call the key art. So Innisrad had come out, it was called Innisrad, it had a logo, and it had a picture of Liliana sitting on a throne holding something and somebody's, you know, a body by her side that looks like she probably just did him in. Um, and it gave a little bit of mood and tone, but didn't say quite what it was. And so we're like, okay, well, at this convention, at, at the panel, you guys could tell them about Innistrad for the first time. Um, and so uh, I, I, because it was, it was the thing I was running, I ended up emceeing it, and I made the slides. Uh, and so we sat down, we figured out what pictures we could show, and I was really excited, and I put together a slideshow, and so we decided that not only would we talk about the upcoming fall set, but we talked about all the sets that were coming up that year. And so, usually there's a From the Vault, there's a dual deck. Um, 
now there's Commander. You know, sometimes there's other products that happen. And so we would just sort of talk about it. And then for the, you know, the first time, we could show them a few cards from, from the vault, or we could show them uh, the packaging or something, talk about dual decks. So, you know, we, we could show some stuff from the upcoming sets. And then, if there's time, um, pretty much what I did is I modeled our panel after the comic panels that I used to always go see. And the way the comic panels work is they sit down, they show you some slides, they introduce the people, they, they talk a little bit about upcoming stuff, they tease some upcoming stuff, and then they open the floor and let people ask questions. I'm like, okay, I mean, that model seemed perfectly fine. I made a little slideshow and I you know, introduced everybody and then I had little pictures of things. And we had some, up, we had some preview stuff we hadn't seen before and we showed off some cards from, from the vault and maybe a card from Dual Deck. And, um, but anyway, so, uh, and, and it was uh, Innistrad, so I got to do the big, like, it's gothic horror and I mean, the way I did it I remember is uh, I showed a picture I got the best picture I could of a werewolf of a vampire and of a zombie and so um, the first picture uh, was werewolf there was a werewolf it was werewolves and the second picture showed a vampire it goes vampires and the third picture showed zombie goes and zombies and the fourth slide said oh my and showed the key art with Liliana um, and the, the audience went wild. They were very excited. You know, and then I explained, here's what we're doing. We're doing gothic horror. And that's the first time we'd ever said we're doing that. And I said, yeah, there's going to be werewolves and vampires and zombies and all this cool stuff. And um, uh, Kavada, Matt, Matt talked about the world a little bit. And we, 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 we sort of showed off enough, enough to get a little tease of what was coming without, without actually showing any mechanics or anything. Um, anyway, it went over really, really well. It went over very well. Um, in fact, we, we, when we set it up, we weren't sure. I mean, this is Comic-Con. We're like, well, we think this is a good audience. We think there's a lot of overlap between the people that would be at San Diego Comic-Con and our audience. But we didn't know. And so I was very happy when we sold out the room the first time and when we packed the room. Because um, I think the first time we got a room, we had, uh, it was a little small, like maybe 250. And we filled it up. I mean, and I just filled it up. I mean, there was lines. We filled it up. We were very happy. Um, and so we said, okay, let's do this again. This worked really well. So the next year was Return to Ravnica. Now, we at uh, PAX East, we had shown, the, like we always do, we show the title and we show the key art. Well, when the name is Return to Ravnica, you're, you're, giving, away, um, you're giving away a little more than normal. Because Innistrad, what does Innistrad mean? I mean, people were listening to it and looking at the font of the, of the logo. And, you know, there were people who guessed maybe it was horror. But that's a different thing than Return to Ravnica. Well, perhaps are you returning to Ravnica? Uh, and people were really, really excited we're going back to Ravnica. So that year, we had the same panel again, actually. It was me and Aaron and um, uh, Mark and Matt and um, Scott. And um, I think that year, we we were trying to... We, we always mix it up and try to do different things. That was the year we said, oh, maybe we could... Uh, when people ask questions, we'll, we'll... If people ask particular questions, we'll, we'll give away special pri- prizes this year. Um, and so that was the year where... Um, there was a kid that... Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. That was the very first year. I'm forgetting. The very first year we did the panel, because um, it was the first year we'd ever done and we wanted to create a spectacle for our first year, we were giving away some, some prizes for people that asked questions, pretty big prizes. Um, for example, somebody asked about the art, and we ended up giving them the original art to... Um, um, to uh, what's it called? The one based on the Jonathan Colton song. Um, it's a... Uh, when I blink on names, which I do all the time, uh, you guys know the one I'm talking about. You see her screaming at the talk about it. It's um, 
Creepy doll. Creepy doll. So one of the kids asked about the art of, 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 of uh, Matt, who is McVad is an artist, and so he won the original art of Creepy Doll. And somebody else asked about the Pro Tour, and he got an invite to the Pro Tour. And uh, somebody else asked about something, and they got a, a beta pack. And um, so, so the second year, we, we come back, same, same, uh, same crew, we were talking about Return to Ravnica. Um, and so we decided that, okay, we can go a little more in-depth, and so we talked about the different clans. So the thing that year was we had changed up the block structure, so the first time we had done Ravnica, remember, it was large, small, small. We did 4, 3, 3. And next time we were doing large, large, small, 5, 5, 10. So one of the things that we... Usually what happens at Comic-Con is I get to talk big picture, meaning I'm going to explain sort of what's going on. Um, you know, not to find my new stuff. I'm not showing... Traditionally, we don't show cards or show mechanics. We'll, we'll, we broke that rule recently. I'll get to that. Um, but we, we talk about the, the essence of what's going on, and I explain the block as a whole. What 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 is coming? And so if there's something interesting with the block structure, I explain that. And so that year, oh well, there, instead of three three four three three, it's five five ten. And here's the block structure. Here's going to work. You're going to draft Return of Ravnica all by itself. Then you're going to return. Um, you're going to draft Gate Crash all by itself. Then when Dragon's uh, Maze comes out, you're going to draft them all together, which was very different. We had never done anything like that. You know, we never had a large second set. We never had you stop drafting the first set with the second set. We never had a set get uh, go away and come back. It was very, very different. Um, likewise, anyway, obviously people were quite excited um, by Return to Ravnica. And just hearing all the details was, was cool to them. Um, and, uh, okay, so that was year two. So year three, which was last year, uh, we were introducing Theros. So I think... Either the second or the third year, we got upgraded from 250 to a 500-person room. Um, and we filled that up to capacity. Um, in fact, we have every single year filled our room to capacity. So if you ever come to San Diego Comic-Con and really want to go to the Magic Panel, definitely get there early because there's a lot of people who come. And uh, I don't know if you know anything about San Diego Comic-Con, there's a lot of waiting in line. Uh, if, the way it works is, the, the rules of San Diego Comic-Con is that you can wait in line. Once you're in a room, they will never kick it out. They don't clean the room out. So if you want to see a panel and you think it's going to be busy, oftentimes you will sit through earlier panels to see it. So, you know, for example, I like Joss Whedon, if you don't know that. So last year, Joss Whedon was introducing his new TV show, uh, Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I really wanted to see it. I was excited for Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I really liked to see Joss Whedon. Um, and it was like 12 o'clock in the afternoon, so I showed up many, many hours earlier, and th- there were panels before that I was interested in, but like, I'm going to sit through a bunch of panels just to make sure I'm there so I can see Joss Whedon. And I did. Um... But anyway, so they're, uh, they're, the Magic fans will come early and they'll sit through multiple panels ahead of us. Um, so that year, last year, in fact, the panel before us was Monster High. See if you know what Monster High is. So there are a bunch of Barbie dolls. I mean, not, not literal Barbie dolls, but like Barbie dolls that are themed. The, the characters in it all go to the high school where they're all, and they're all monsters. It's like, you know, the daughter of Dracula and the daughter of the Wolfman and the daughter of Frankenstein. Um, and anyway, they're very, very popular. But they're very popular with, with girls. So um, when I would come to see our line, because normally I, I get there early. I, I like to what they call walk the line, where I, because people have been waiting for a while, and, and I'd chance to say, say hello and, you know, sign autographs or take pictures or answer questions. And I like to walk the line. And um, last year I get in the line, and it's a bunch of magic players intermingled with little girls, you know. Uh, so it was a very bizarre, uh, uh, you could, I, like I said, I could tell who was there for the Monster High panel. Okay, so last year, we talked about Theros. Um, and the panel was myself, Mark Purvis again. In fact, Mark and I had been the one constant all four years. Uh, and then we had Jenna Helland, 
who had done the creative work for um, Theros. She had been on the design team and was the person who oversaw the world development um, of Theros and did a lot of the creative work, the card concepting stuff. Um, and then the last person was a guy named Dave Guskin. So Dave Guskin is what we call an experience designer. So if you guys are things like the Hell Vault or like the Hero's Journey, things in which there's things built around the, the play of, of a pre-release or of a game day or of a launch party or any of those things, Dave and, and other people like him um, do that. And so last year we were talking about Theros. Um, the audience knew the name Theros and they had had the key art. Um, I think that the key art teased Greek mythology. I think it was, um, I believe it was Elsbeth standing over Hydra. So, like, it kind of teased it a little bit, but you didn't definitively know. And so I got to come and say, yeah, we're doing Greek mythology. And they were very excited. Um, and Jenna talked all about the world, and Dave talked about the experience that was going to be built into it. And we really sort of did a lot of things. And, and then we also talked about some of the upcoming products. Once again, filled the room. People were real happy uh, and quite excited. Then last this year, um, it was time to introduce the world to um, Khans of Tarkir. And so this year, Mark and I, and so Mark Purvis and I came. Um, the creative person, instead of being Jenna, was Doug Beyer, because Doug was the person who oversaw the, the creative world for this year. And then for experience design, Dave Guskin has gone on to other things. Working, He left Wizards, but... Uh, doing good work elsewhere. Uh, Gavin Verhey, who also does experience design, came to be the experience design person this year. So this year, we did something a little different. Um, we had never previously given away a card from the, the fall set before. Um, traditionally, what we do is we talk about themes and show up the world, but we normally wait to pack to actually show cards. Um, but there was a card, that the, the, the face of Dual Decks, um, which is... Um, uh, what's his name? Helm Smasher. Uh, Zurag Helm Smasher. And uh, we said, you know what? The, the, the thing about the card was it didn't give away any mechanics. I mean, it, it was a standalone card. That was a cool card that flavorfully fit the Mardu plan, but it didn't, it didn't give away you know, any of the mechanics from the set. So we said, okay, let's just show this off. Um, and then we figured out that, um, that, that before PAX was going to happen... Um, uh, because of the way the dual decks work, that uh, that morph was going to end up being a known thing before packs, and like that wasn't something we could surprise people with packs. Like, oh, well, why don't we surprise it here? And so we actually, at the end of it, we did a little thing uh, borrowed from Steve Jobs of one more thing, one little thing we want to talk about, and uh, we talked about morph was coming back. Um, and so this year, we so we did a little more than we had in previous years. We showed a card, we, we talked about a mechanic, um, and once again, we showed off the world. I explained the design because the the block structure, which is, I mean. By this point, uh, uh, I assume, since I'm recording this, I, I'm way ahead of my podcast. So probably you all have read all about it, and I, I'm not hiding any secrets from you. You know all about how the block works and what's going on. Um, but uh, anyway, it was something where um, it was a very unique thing that we built the entire block around, and I, I was able to explain that. Um, so once again, we, we had our normal room. I think we've been in the same room for the last two or three years, maybe three years, um, it's like I said, it holds about 500 people, I think. Uh, we fill it up every year. Uh, we always ask, people always ask, why don't you get a bigger room? Like, we, we ask for a bigger room. Um, but one of the things that's going on is there's just only so many rooms of such size, and that, you know, hey, we're a big property. There's a lot of big properties, that, you know, a lot. I mean, we're, we are a small property combined to some of the properties that are there. Um, you know, there's some, you know, mega 
giant TV shows and things. And anyway, uh, every year we always let them know that we fill up the room and that if they want to give us a bigger room, we'd be more than happy. But, but hey, we're, we're just happy to be there. And so, um, so one, let me talk a little bit about um, just the, some of the things about the Magic Panel. That, so if you've never been to San Diego Comic-Con, so let, let me walk you through exactly what happens. Okay, so first of all, you get, the, you get in line, you get there early. Um, uh, usually, if you're there early enough, you end up going in a panel, one or two panels before us. If not, then you go, we, we seat you. So you get seated. Um, so a, the panel is actually 50 minutes long. Even though each one's scheduled for an hour, you have to finish 10 minutes uh, at, 10, at uh, uh, the 50 on the hour. So we started this year at noon. We had to finish at 12.50. And the reason is they want 10 minutes to clear the room and to let the next people in. So you know, they can clear the room, let the next boot batch people in so that they can start right on time. So really, you have 50 minutes. Um, and so what we try to do is we try to, to do a, uh, to give enough information and leave some time for questions. This year, actually, um, we had so much information to give that we went a little long. Um, uh, and normally, so anyway, so what happens is uh, you'll walk in, you'll find your seat. Um, then we, we have a panel up on the screen. Uh, we're at, I'm at a podium and there's other people sitting down with little, little placards with their name in front of them. It's very fun. In the back of the placard, they have a placard with your name. There's a little rule saying, remember, this is a family-friendly audience, and try not to swear, and it tells you things just to remember. Um, so what happens is I always run the panel uh, off of my, either my iPad or my iPhone. This year I was run off my iPhone, because my iPhone is faster than my iPad now, because I have a newer iPhone. Um, and uh, so what happens is we come and hook everything up, and then we get going, and we, we will show you different things. Uh, and the thing that's, that's great about this is I, I think there's something about being live and being surrounded by people that, that share your passion that just gets people extra, extra excited. And one of the reasons I love doing the panel. And it's funny, because I... Um, one of the things that's great about Comic-Con is I used to go to Comic-Con for fun, just of my own free will, just because I think Comic-Con is fun. And now I get to go to Comic-Con running the panel, and, like, it's funny. I love, I love, I love Comic-Con, but, you know, I also love, I love running the Magic panel. Um, there's... One of the things that's great about working on Magic is just interacting with the public in general is great. Um, people are very excited when you meet them, and, hey, I make a product that makes people happy, and so when they meet me, they are excited to say, yeah, I mean, usually, not, not that I don't get yelled at from time to time, but mostly it's, hey, I'm so excited, this is an awesome game, thank you for making, you know, thank you for being one of the people that makes, makes this awesome game. Um, so when you get a panel of people who are all excited, we have new information and stuff that they want to hear, it's the first time they're going to hear about it. The, the 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 energy in the room it's just like, it's like crackling with energy it is one of the it's just it is so exciting I mean I get excited I know everything and I get super excited just because the room gets so excited and it's just so much fun um, and remember when people ask me I, I did a whole podcast on this my least favorite part of my job is keeping all the secrets and not telling people the awesome things we're doing so when I finally get to tell people the awesome things we're doing and I get to tell it to a group of fans that are just like, beyond excited, who are just screaming at every possible new thing you could tell them. It is just awesome. It is truly, truly awesome. I mean, the Magic Panel is one of my favorite things of the entire year because I just, like I said, for, if you've ever been there, it is, it, it's electric. It's very, very fun. Um, and I think one of the reasons that we've had such a job and we really love showing lots of things off is it is so much fun, you know. And every little thing that gets so excited is so awesome. So anyway, um, what will happen is we will run through our presentation and we show lots of pictures and we show art and we show cards and we, we show as much stuff as we can. Normally from the fall set, we show more art than we show anything else just because we're not giving away mechanics mostly. Um, we're, you know, we're not giving away cards. But we do show a lot of art. Like this year, 
we talked about the clans, right? And so for each clan, we had four pieces of art for each clan. You know, we showed off um, sort of the group shot and where they live and an action shot. And then the, the, the con, the, you know, we showed the picture of the con for each clan. Um, and it's just, it's just fun because there's something nice about when you do a, a slideshow that you can get visuals to and when you're talking. And anyway, it's something I've been working on. I'm just trying to make, trying to make the panel and the slideshow just better every year. Um, and we have a lot of fun, sort of, you know, definitely, um, I think the technology has made it easier. This year, for the first time, actually, we included um, video and audio, which we hadn't done before. Uh, small hiccup this year. I need to take the case off my phone so I can get the audio jack all the way in. That's, that was a little mishap this year. Um, but anyway, and, and this year, uh, we, we, we often have a guest. Um, last year, Felicia Day came up to uh, announce the, uh, the, the existence of uh, Spell Shapers. Um, not Spell Shapers, sorry. Uh, spell Slingers. Um, spell Shapers were from Mercadian Mass. Um, and then this year, uh, Joshua o- Openshire came up to talk about Season 2. Um, we also showed the, uh, not the trailer, but a teaser of the trailer. Normally at PAX, we show the trailer for the first time, but we got permission this year to show a teaser of the trailer, which showed uh, each of the five cons and then showed Sarkin, um, which was, was pretty cool. Um, anyway, like I said, I'm almost to work. The, if, if you ever get yourself to San Diego Comic Con, I know these days it's, it's uh, harder and harder to get in the door, but if you happen to be there on the day we're doing our panel, um, it is well worth your while. Like I said, it, it, it just... Oh, so, by the way, San Diego Comic-Con is not just uh, the panel. That's the thing I always focus on. Um, there always is gaming going on. Usually, uh, Tim Shields tends to run it. Um, this year, it was in the Marriott on the third floor. Uh, uh, Comic-Con's gotten so big that they can't fit everything anymore. It used to be... The gaming used to be inside the convention, but now there's so much going on, they can't fit anymore. So now it's... it's uh, Comic-Con has exploded. So now events are going on in other hotels around it. Uh, and the gaming happens to be uh, usually in the Marriott, which is right next door. Um, also, Geek and Sundry, which is our partners, they do spell flingers with us, um, has a, um, they take over a place called Jolton Joe's, which is a, uh, a bar slash restaurant, and they do a big party every night. And usually one night is a magic-sponsored uh, party. So this year it was on Friday. Uh, and so in conjunction with uh, spell shippers, we, we threw a party. And so I always go to the party, and um, the funny thing is usually there's a little VIP section, which is like this little area where we get to sit with there's like a little velvet rope. But normally there's people that want to say hi, so I'm always standing at the rope to say hi to people, and I feel like I'm in a museum because like people are walking up and I'm behind this little velvet rope. Um, and one of the things I, I say, I said this on my, uh, on my Twitter and my blog, that if you ever see me at an event, especially a magic event, um, you can say hi. People seem very intimidated to sometimes come up and say hello to me, and I'm like, I'm more than happy to say hi to fans. I love talking with people. I will sign autographs. I will take pictures. Um, you know, I mean, I have this really, I, I'm in this sweet spot where I'm famous in a very, very, very tiny select way so that it's not like I get bothered when I go shopping or anything or, or like the paparazzi are following me. But it's kind of nice when I'm at an event and, you know, Comic-Con, uh, I tend to get noticed more just because it's more of a kind of event where Magic players would be. Obviously, I go to a Magic event. People know me. Um, but anyway, it's, people approach me. It's nice. It's fun. I, 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 it's not like I'm, I'm bugged constantly. Uh, and I, I do like meeting Magic players. It's always fun. Um, uh, oh, also this year, by the way, not only did we do um, the party, uh, we also did an event where there was a tournament. It was actually a free tournament you signed up, sponsored by uh, Wizards of the Coast and Geek and Sundry. Uh, it was in connection with Spellflingers. And so I and some of the cast from Spellflingers, the second season of Spellflingers, uh, I and Doug Beyer, along with the cast, uh, we had a little tournament where we played. You could play us. 
Uh, I actually played three rounds. It was you got a, an intro from Magic 2015, and you played. The rounds were one game, the 20 minute rounds, one game, one match, or was that one game? The match was one game, um, and I went one and two. Um, although the person who lost to me, I didn't play the second time because we had time, and they beat me. So everybody I, I played beat me. People get very excited when they beat me. They they mistakenly believe I'm good at magic. <laughs> Um, or it's just fun to say that you beat me. I, I guess that's probably half of it. Um, but I had a good time, and I got to meet people, and um, signed some cards, and took some pictures, and played some magic, and uh, that was definitely a lot of fun. Um, anyway, so I think that my, my wrap-up here, because I'm, I'm, I'm at moments from work, is that if you are a magic player, and you get yourself to San Diego Comic-Con, definitely check out the gaming. For sure, check out the panel. Um, we, Wizards does not have a booth anymore. Um, Hasbro has a booth, but we don't have a booth. Oh, I didn't even talk about the... I did not talk about... So, something we started last year um, is we started doing a San, San Diego Comic-Con exclusive. So, last year, there were five cards. There were Planeswalker cards with an alt art treatment. This year, there were six cards with an alt art, with new art and a, a different treatment, along with a nerf axe of Garrick's, which was my favorite thing. Um, and... Uh, it was quite the talk of the, of the convention. It, it's, it's hard to get. I know I get a lot of comments on it in that. Um, it is. So what happened last year was they sold out super, super fast. So this year we made a lot more of them. We limited them to one per person rather than two per person. Um, we made sure that there were ones for every single day. Last year they sold out early because uh, I don't think Hasbro, the people at the Hasbro booth quite understood what they had on their hands. We had never done a magic item before. Um, and so... Uh, when everybody started buying the magic item, they were like, ooh, it's interesting. People seem to like this magic item. Um, but anyway, the thing I always explain is that um, we are a collectible. We do things like collectible items. Um, we try really hard to make sure that it doesn't impact tournament play. The cards that we are doing, while they're neat-looking cards, you can get those cards in a Magic 2015 booster pack. Um, and anyway, it, it is something that causes a lot of excitement. The, 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 it is neat to just have people... I don't know. It's, I, I, I think collectibles can be fun as long as right, it doesn't get in the way of gameplay. And we work really hard to make sure that there aren't exclusive cards or things that are, you know, in order to play Magic, I would need to track this down. This is for collectors to collect. It is not for um, people who need it so they can play with it. Uh, you know, you can get those cards elsewhere. Um, anyway, see, I, brought, I brought up the card. Everything was going fine. I brought up the controversial stuff right at the end. Um, but anyway, if you're ever at San Diego Comic-Con... Go to the panel. You can try to stand line and get the collectible. You can go play Magic. There's a, Maybe you come to the Geek and Sundry Party. All sorts of fun things to do. Um, but anyway, uh, that is San Diego Comic-Con. So uh, I've now parked my car, which means it's time for me to be making Magic. I'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>